Welcome to Stuff We Love Podcast. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Stuff We Love Podcast. I'm your host, Scott, and I'm joined again tonight by returning champions. We got another Scott. Say hello. Hello, Scott. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here on the podcast. And Dan, welcome back. Thank you, Scott. It's good to be back again. Great to be with you, gentlemen. And if you've listened to the Stuff We Love podcast before, you know that when Scott and Dan are on, we very often talk about music. So this is another one of our very popular music episodes. I get a lot of great feedback on these shows, and we're so appreciative. For tonight's episode, we're going to be putting together a Rolling Stones playlist. And uh, this was an idea that was brought to me, uh, Dan, by you last week. I guess you, mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned it. And I thought it was a great idea because uh, recently the world suffered the uh, loss of the Rolling Stones drummer, Charlie Watts. And uh, he is certainly one of the greatest drummers in rock and roll history. I, before we get to the playlist, we'll say a few words about him. But I thought it was a great idea because the Stones, we've talked about them here on the Stuff We Love podcast, but not to the amount that we've talked about the Beatles, for example, or quite frankly, like Halloween or music videos and all that stuff. So I feel it's time the Stones got their due here on the show. And uh, what we're going to be doing tonight is putting together this playlist. Each of us will have the opportunity to choose seven songs by the Rolling Stones. And uh, the one song that is universally on everyone's playlist that none of us could choose is Satisfaction because it's such a standard and so well-known and so popular and is considered by many to be the quintessential Rolling Stones song. Uh, But before we get to the uh, show, why don't we just go around the table and uh, share your uh, thoughts about Charlie Watts. Uh, He... um, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, he was the drummer for the Rolling Stones and passed away at the age of 80, shortly before the next Stones tour. And uh, Scott, we'll start with you. What's uh, Where were you when you heard the news and, and what's your reaction? Yeah, I actually heard it on the radio, just local radio. It wasn't even XM. I don't know. I normally have XM on in the car, so that was unusual for me. So that's how I found out about it. And, and uh, you know, I was taken aback, like, you know, it, it hurts to lose these rock legends, you know, like I didn't really grow up in this time, but I definitely grew up listening to them. So they're like idols to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've shared this with either of you on the podcast, but percussion and drums is my instrument. That's what that's what I have always played. I actually have a kit here at home. I don't I play. As, I, I don't play as much as I used to. But I'll tell you, when you listen to songs five, 10, 15 times, like I start after a while, like isolating on the drums, right? Like, you know, what's Ringo doing? What's Charlie doing back there? So, and Charlie is great. I don't think he gets enough credit. He's just, he's kind of like Ringo in a way. He's just, he's solid behind the kit. He's not doing anything fancy like John Bonham or Keith Moon or anything. And he's definitely not as like wild or entertaining. He looks like he's the most boring person when he's playing drums. He's just, he's locked in, mix all over the place doing stuff. And he's just, you know, he just kind of looks bored sometimes, but that was just kind of his, his MO. That's how he did things. And I thought I, I thought he was a terrific drummer. He was perfect mm-hmm. for the Stones. Well said. I, I did not know you were a drummer, Scott. That's very cool. Yeah. Dan, how about you? Um, well, I found out about it, you know, scrolling through Facebook and saw the post. Uh, I think it was Rolling Stone, um, the one I saw that announced it. And, and I knew that he was, uh, you know, uh, left the tour, um, decided not to go out on, on, on this leg of the tour with them. Uh, and that was announced a couple of weeks, but I was surprised. I didn't know that anything was going on. I didn't know what, that he was ill or anything like that. So it was definitely a shock. Um, but I agree 100% with Scott. You know, um, like Ringo, um, Charlie Watts is kind of like one of those uh, unsung heroes of, of, of the drums, you know. And I, and I think because we came, you know, uh, after... Uh, 
the world was introduced to drummers like like Ginger Baker and John Bonham and uh, um, Keith Moon and Neil Peart, you know, um, I feel like people kind of dump on drummers that are just kind of no frills and simple and, and, and to the point. And we don't realize how brilliant they are unless we really start to listen. I mean, Ringo is a brilliant drummer. He's a great songwriter, drummer. Everything he does fits the song. Um, and Charlie Watts, you know, I've heard it said that like a, a, a good drummer is like the back of a chair. You know, you can kind of lean on them and, and, and prop, they prop you up. And Charlie Watts is what kept the Stones together. And I think it's part of what gives them their signature sound. I think that Charlie Watts, Bill Wyman rhythm section um, keeps the, the stone sound being kind of like on the brink of tight and messy, you know, because it's like at any moment things could kind of unravel, but that solid grounding behind, you know, Keith and whoever the, the, the second guitarist happens to be and Mick is what is what creates that stone sound, that tight but sloppy sound that they have and made them the stones. So um, it's a big loss for the band. It's definitely a big loss for, for the music world. No, it's crazy too, Dan. You mentioned Bonham, Moon, and Pert, who have all passed away too. It's just like, there's some, mm-hmm. Evan has a great uh, set of drummers to choose from for the rock and roll. Oh, for band. sure. There's no doubt yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. It's tough to lose these rock stars. It really is. And um, I was out to lunch with uh, one of the other hosts of Stuff We Love, Joe, and my brother, Neil, and I got this news alert on my phone and my apple watch and i saw it and it's one of those celebrity deaths that just makes you pause um it kind of reminded me of when tom petty died and prince died i remember getting the news alerts for those and whoa it hits you um i agree with everything you guys have said the only thing i'll add to it is that he always struck me as a cool guy just a really cool guy one of the things i read maybe earlier tonight i don't remember was that the stones once attended a party at the playboy mansion and rather than go talk to the girls, he was checking out the game room there, which <laughs> I would do the same thing, but only because I'd be too nervous <laughs> to go talk to the girls. But uh, that's awesome. He was a cool what? guy and a steady drummer and just a, oh, the world is going to miss him. There's no yeah. doubt about it. For sure. And um, I think tonight's episode is a great tribute to him because as we go through our song list, I don't know any of the songs you guys have chosen, but I'm sure we're constantly going to see the impact that Charlie Watts had on the group through the song selection. So I'm eager to see what you guys have chosen. And as we get to the playlist, the one comment I was going to make that hit me is that it's kind of like when you put together a Stones playlist, it's kind of like doing a Beatles playlist in the sense that there are so many options to choose from. It's very hard to limit it down. And the one difference between the Stones and the Beatles is that the Stones have been together way longer than the Beatles. So you have many different musical genres to dig into, which is pretty cool. The Beatles you do too, between psychedelic rock and British invasion pop, but it's, all within a few years period. This is a much broader opportunity. So with that, why don't we turn to the playlist? And uh, Dan, because you suggested the show and your name comes first in alphabetical order, we're going to go to you <laughs> to, to kick us off, my friend. So take it away. Okay. Uh, well, uh, my first choice is um, I tried to go kind of like a little bit deeper, um, but then also pull some some more familiar songs into um, so my first choice is uh, Beasts of Burden. That was number one on my Girls list. Album. Was the first it's, it's on my list. It's on my list. Okay. Um, so Beasts of Great Burden. Great choice. From, uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, 
from some girls, 1978. And, Dan, and, and I have it's to stop just... you. Dan, I got to stop you. I just want to take a moment to recognize this. I start this off by saying you have all these decades to choose from, all these albums, and you choose the first song that is on my list right here. And that's got us too. That's great. That's amazing. I love it. I love it. I think that's happened a few times on our, our list has. shows where we have, you know, but um, it, it's just a, a, a great song that I've always really enjoyed. Um, I kind of always like, uh, you know, some of the songs that don't sound so stonesy, you know, and, and I feel like Beast of Burden is one of the, I mean, Some Girls as an album is kind of varied as far as, as genres go. I mean, you have yeah. Miss You, which is disco-y, and then Far Away Eyes, which is like a country kind of uh more like a country parody than anything it's else. It's such a Not weird really song. A I like that song though. It's, it's so a great bizarre, song. I love it. Uh, but it's, oh yeah, it's a great song, but it's definitely like, uh, you know, a, a, a poke at country music. Um, and Beast of Burden is just like a, a really catchy, um, solid rock pop song. Mm-hmm. And again, um, it's, it's, you know, a great um, showcase for just Charlie Watts, just kind of, keeping that rhythm going and also you get to see some of his creativity his jazz background you know there's these little fills and ghost notes that pop up here and there um but it's one of those songs that um you know growing up I didn't know and I and I and I uh first was um introduced to it um in my late teens working at a, at a restaurant and it was on uh one of the cds that they played and there was a bartender there who kept, I, I don't think he knew the title of the song for sure, but he kept singing the words wrong. And I, and I guess he thought, um, I guess he thought Mick was upset about a takeout order because he kept singing, um, I'll never be your pizza burning. <laughs> I, I don't think those are the words, man. It's, no. it's beast of burden. But, um, but that kind of, uh, you know, made me like uh, want to listen to the song closer. And it's just, it's just one of my top stone songs. It's a great song. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't have much to add there. I know we all had it on our list, but you talked about like those ghost notes and Charlie, like he hits some like good, like off beats too. Like it's a, it's a really smooth, like it's more complicated than you would think what he's doing in that song, you know, like it mm-hmm. works perfectly, but it, it'd be a tough drum beat to replicate. And he does an awesome job. It's a great song. Yeah, it's got a beautiful melody. That's one of the things that stands out to me about the track. I just, every time I hear it, I can't help but start singing along. It's a, it's a great melody and it's definitely uh, a breezy stone song, if that makes any sense. It's just, uh, it's got a flow to it that, that works really well. Um, so Dan, that's a great, great song choice to start great us way off. to start so it off. I'm going to be, you, I, go ahead, Dan, go ahead. Oh, I, I like that description of breezy. It is kind of like, you know, could be on a Yacht Rock mix, you know. <laughs> that's true. It could. Uh, as we go through these songs, I'm going to be making a list. And then at the end of the episode, I'll go back and read our playlist. So that'll be, that'll be cool. Uh, cool. Scott, what's your song selection? All right. Uh, um, so I'm going more like more popular, I think with the stones, they have a really deep catalog. So you could do some serious deep tracks and I have a couple as backups. Um, I don't know. I mean, the listeners of the stuff we love are awesome. You know, they probably know like all the deep stuff and the, and the popular ones. So I'm going more popular. And I also tried to focus more on Charlie tonight. Mm. Of like some of my favorite Charlie Watt songs might not be like my top Rolling Stone songs, but where Charlie does really great. Um, not necessarily with this first song because it's just one of my favorite Stone songs, but I'm going with The Last Time. Um, it's one of their earlier songs on um, 
out of their heads i believe is the album it's like 64 65 somewhere in there um just a great song like i love the guitar intro um it's just a fun little pop song and it actually reminds me so my company several years ago sponsored a rolling stones event uh it was called exhibitionism they it made it actually i think it came to new york city it came to chicago it started in london and our company sponsored it from the United States side. And I got to go to it and, you know, you got to see like all these cool artifacts. It was kind of like a Rolling Stones, like pop-up museum basically. And at one of our staff meetings, they started the staff meeting playing the last time. And like, I don't know why I always have this, like, I just remember walking to like this big corporate meeting with like Rolling Stone music playing and it was pretty awesome, but it's a fun song. Always really liked it. What are you guys thoughts on it? Well, I, I guess two things I'll just say real quick is that you're right. It definitely is. A, it, it's a well-known stone song, but I feel it sometimes gets lost in the mix. I feel yeah. like uh, even w- when you mentioned it tonight, I know the song and I have it on several greatest hits packages, but I hadn't thought of it as we were preparing this playlist tonight. So that's a great choice. The other thing I was going to mention is that I love the ending of the song where it's kind of just like Jagger screaming last time. No, no, no. You know, it's yeah. like that. It's, it's really great. Um, and I think completes the song in this raucous kind of way. So great selection, Scott. Thank you, Dan. Um, it's a great early Stone song. I think it's one of those songs that shows uh, how great Keith Richards is at coming up with a guitar riff. I mean, I, mm-hmm. you think about songs like guitar riffs, famous guitar riffs, and uh, um, that, especially that Keith wrote "Satisfaction" and "Jumpin' Jack Flash." But the last, the uh, the last time has a really great riff um that really i mean it goes on through the entire song but you don't get tired of it 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 makes the song um so always always love that and i think you're right scott i think it's one of those songs that gets lost in the shuffle um you know if you if you grab any um like stones compilation greatest hits kind of thing it'll be on it but when most people think about stone songs if you ask I, i guess the regular casual listener fans and name 10 songs they probably wouldn't come up with that one no i agree with that i definitely do um well great choice we're off to a solid start here it's a heck of a playlist already i'm telling you it's a great playlist (laughs) absolutely uh for my song selection i'm going to mention a song that i actually listened to earlier today and it made me realize how much i love this song it was released in december of 1967 so Heading out of the summer of love into 68. And the song is She's a Rainbow. It's on my list, too. It's on my list. (laughs) (laughs) We have the same similar taste in music. What can you say? (laughs) All right. Scratching that one off the list. Going to a backup. (laughs) I I have some thoughts on it, but let's hear your thoughts, Scott. I'd love to hear them. Yeah. Well, what I love about this track is, first off, the instrumentation that is used. You have strings on the track, you have guitar, you have drums, piano in a very odd way with what really seems to be these off-key sounds, which normally you wouldn't think would make a good song, but somehow it all gels together well. Uh, Another reason I like it is because it builds off of the summer of love and that psychedelia. It's a perfect example of the Stones. They didn't always succeed when they worked psychedelic sounds into their music, but this to me is an example of where they did succeed. And to me, the lyrics talking about colors and rainbow to me it just is evocative of that time period it fits that that time well so you feel like you're immersed in that summer of love or post-summer of love atmosphere um and then even the end of the song where it kind of gets a little chaotic 
and they're like there's there's instruments being played at random times it's just unexpected so for those reasons and the melody of course is quite beautiful to me um and i love the way jagger sings she's like a rainbow like what he does with his voice yeah. there is, is phenomenal for those reasons i put it on the playlist and charlie's drumming is phenomenal that's yes. why it was on my list actually like he does some of his best fills as a stone are on that track um just just really solid drumming and but I always think of the the intro, like that piano, like the off keys you mentioned, like you hear that on the radio, you're like when one know you instantly know what song it is. It's such a classic. Yes. agree with that. Dan, how about you? Um, it's a great pick. Um, I agree with Scott about Charlie's drumming as some of his best fills in that. And again, like I was saying earlier, um, he's kind of like holding everything together. There's all this kind of chaos swirling around in the track and that drumming is, is what's keeping it. Um, from kind of, you know, spinning off, but, um, but it's a great song, a great string arrangement, um, courtesy of John Paul Jones, pre-Led Zeppelin, John Paul oh, Jones. I did not know who that. Did the, yeah, who did the string arrangement for that. And um, what I love about it is that it could, it, it was so evocative, uh, you know, so um, evocative of that time of the summer of love. And, and it's the most innocent, I think, Jagger sounds ever, you know, singing on a track. But it also manages to capture that kind of like dirty side of the stones, too, because um, there is, you know, some some double entendre slipped in there. So it's 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 uh, kind of, uh, a, I would say, like a perfect psychedelic stone song. Mm -hmm. um, and they're not known for pulling off psychedelia all too well, um, basically because of this album. And I, and I think it was because they were left on their own to produce it. So uh, it's all kind of disheveled and not really held together trying to imitate pepper but um but a great track on kind of a uh not so terrific album yeah i was gonna say it's not a very known album i think that's the only hit like if you go with like you ask any normal person like if they know any songs off that album it's gonna be she's the rainbow that's the only one i think most mm -hmm. people will mm -hmm. recognize from it yeah I, I think the album Good. yeah i think the album is more well known for the cover right like uh um, 3D holographic cover that it had. I can't remember the last time I listened to. Yeah, Scott showing a picture of the album now. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember the last time I listened to it in its entirety. I uh, I probably should do that. It's 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 a uh, experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyhow, uh, continuing the playlist, uh, Dan, we'll turn it back over to you. What is your next song selection? Um, so my next song selection um is off of exile on main street um and it's shine a light nice. um which which is is probably one of my favorite uh songs on that album um i think it's a little deeper in the album it's uh i think side four of the album uh but it's a great track think... it's kind of yeah, go ahead, it's Dan. kind of uh yeah it's kind of um like a Stones gospel song, um, benefits from Billy Preston being on it, uh, playing piano and organ, um, but just a, a great track. And it's actually uh, supposedly from what I've read, a um, kind of a late tribute to Brian Jones, um, even though the, the lyrics kind of uh, make you think of a romantic relationship and, and Nick singing about uh, some, um, some girl who's kind of uh, uh, fallen to her own addictions or devices it was actually written um kind of thinking back about 
about Brian Jones. It's just a great, great song and um, gave its name to a uh, uh, documentary, I think, by Martin Scorsese a few years yep. back. Yes. Yeah, I went to the that. theater. Yeah, yeah, I remember like, I think I went to opening day and like, my brother was like teasing me. I was telling him I was going to record this podcast with you guys. And he said, yeah, you like wrote like something, you wrote Mick Jagger on some white shirt that you wore to, to go see it in the theater. Like, so <laughs> like, I don't, I, when he said that, I kind of remember doing it. I was pretty young, younger. But um, yeah, I, that's, I'm actually not familiar with the song, but I definitely remember that being like the title of the Scorsese um, documentary. How can we not have a Stones podcast and not mention Martin Scorsese? Like almost every film he directs, there's definitely a Stone reference somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. Very true. And uh, Dan, I like the choice. I remember when Exile on Main Street was reissued a few years ago in this anniversary package. I was not familiar with the album and I took that opportunity to buy the deluxe edition. And I, you know, it doesn't have a lot of hit songs on there. It's mostly deeper tracks yet. It's considered one of the greatest albums of all time, not just stones albums, but of all time. And shine a light stood out for me. And it's interesting because as I was thinking about exile tonight, when putting together my playlist, I forgot about that song, which shows you the depth and strength of that album. Um, but I think it's a beautiful song. I, I, I have nothing to add to it other than what you've said. I think it's a perfect selection and takes the playlist in a different direction too, which is good. And we're already seeing that in the first few choices. We got the British invasion sound with the satisfaction, the universal choice. And the last time psychedelic, she's a rainbow and something like shine a light beast of burden. It's all diverse. And I think really cool. This is how you can see why the stones playlist. show is a good idea. Uh, Scott, what do you got? Well, I'm going to take us to sticky fingers next. Nice. Um, this is probably my favorite Stone song. I, I can speak that pretty confidently. If you ask me almost any day of the week, I'll probably give this answer. And that's Wild Horses. Mm. Um, just a slow, nice acoustic song. There's some great drumming, some great fills. Like Charlie's not in it the whole time, but you know, there's some slower parts and then he'll like kind of build it up. But um, lyrically, I think this is one of the best Stone songs. Um, just... Oh, man, I, I could just, it's hard to explain like why, like, I think I have like good memories associated with it too, but um, just love the lyrics. I love the lyric. Let's do some living after we die. That's just, I don't know. I think there's some great, like some lines from Jagger in that, in this track. Mm -hmm. And what, what stands out to me about that song is it at times has a folky sound, like a yes. folk rock type. I sound. wanted to say that. I didn't know if I was off on that, but yeah, I, I feel the folk vibe for sure. With I it. feel it in the guitar and the, the acoustic guitar sound that's throughout the track. Um, one of my favorite songs too, wasn't on my list, but, uh, I'm glad you mentioned it because, uh, melodically it's beautiful. Lyrically it's poetic and it's quite dramatic mm -hmm. in the way that, uh, it just, it's overall sound. So I, I love that choice. Uh, Dan, what do you think of wild horses? I, I think it's one of the, the great, um, stones, acoustic tracks, um, and just an all time classic song. And def definitely a folk influence there, kind of like folk country, um, for sure. Um, and very dramatic. And I think part of the dramatic, again, is uh, that dramatic senses um, comes from Charlie Watts' drumming, where he where he he knows where to play and he knows when not to play. Mm -hmm. and, and and that raises the, the drama of the song, right? So you have these more silent moments without the drums. The drums come in. Um, at time, mostly at times where the lyrics are, are a little bit more um, more heightened emotionally, you know, and the drums help heighten that emotion. So definitely a, a great track. And um, also because I, I think a lot of people 
you know, um, don't realize that the Jagger Richards songwriting partnership is very similar to the Lennon McCartney partnership. They, they both got credit for the songs, but um, it could be one person's song um, or the others. And this is one of those, those occasions, rare occasions where it, it, you're seeing both of them together. Um, it started as a, as a Keith song, um, but, but Mick kind of took the lyrics and reworked them um, to reflect what was going on in his relationship with Marianne Faithful. I was, I was going to mention, this, I think it is Marianne Faithful that song is about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you get this, this classic song that's, you know, just awesome. Marianne Faithful, I think, has a Twitter account that's pretty active. <laughs> she probably does. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would not surprise. But uh, anyhow, great choices. Uh, great choice, Scott, for Wild Horses. Um, for my song, it actually, uh, let's go back to Exile on Main Street. And I chose the song that was the lead single for Exile on Main Street. And for a long time, this was maybe my favorite Rolling Stone song. And I'm not sure it still is, but the song is Tumbling Dice. And I got on my list too. Got on your mm -hmm. list. Yeah, I'm, I'm scratching it off as we speak, Scott. <laughs> well, as I was thinking about the playlist, I, I read something, and I'm going to read it now. This is from Wikipedia, which is the most um, accurate website to use <laughs> when doing a uh, presentation. Anyhow, in the uh, article about the song, they quote various music critics about uh, the song "Tumbling Dice." And a few things stood out. One music critic, Robert Hilburn, praised it for its musicianship and felt it should rank alongside songs like Satisfaction, Street Fighting Man, and, and Honky Tonk Women as one of their best concert numbers. Then the critic for Spin Magazine, Al Shipley, this is what really stood out for me, and I agree with this, described every note of the song as perfection, where every hooky little moment is accompanied by a perfect Charlie Watts snare fill. And I think that's really cool. The song is just, it works so well as a studio version and it's been featured now in many of the Stones live albums. And every single time it just flows really, really well. And I love that hook where it goes, you got to roll oh. me. You know, it's just catchy and maybe is the biggest earworm that gets stuck in your head uh, out of any Stone song, at least for me. And uh, I, after I discovered the Beatles and listened to all their stuff, Stones were one of the next bands I got into. And when I heard this song, I thought it just was so catchy and fun. And it stayed with me ever since. And for those reasons, I put it on the playlist. I think it just is really great. Guys, what, what do you think? You obviously had it on your playlist too on the initial run through. So uh, Scott, tell me your thoughts about Tumbling Dice. It's just another great <clears throat> Charlie Watts drumming song. Um, some great fills in there, like offbeat kind of fills that you wouldn't expect. And um not talk about the core band, but like, I love the backing vocals on there. Like the, let me roll me or whatever it is. Like, oh, yeah. I, I, try, I just love it. Like, and I, I just love it with like big ensembles like that, like bringing in some, I, I don't, I think it's just a couple people doing that background vocal, but it's just, it's arranged perfectly. It's a great song. And um, I don't know if it's a, you said it was like a hit from it. I can't remember that ever being like a big hit, but I don't think it, it was a big hit in the sense of satisfaction or something like yeah. that, but it, when I say hit, I really was talking about it. it constantly right. appears on greatest hits collection, so it's exactly. one of the only yeah, exile yeah. tracks to be yeah. on every greatest hits. Yeah. Dan, what do you think? Well, I think it was. I. I. I it was one of my. Uh, one of my favorite Stone songs for a while too, um, and I think. Um, 
Yeah, it definitely wasn't like a hit, but it, it was, I think, the only single release from Exile. I think it's the most accessible song probably on the album. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kind of demonstrates that, you know, that bluesy Stones groove that, um, that they've become famous for. And um, again, brilliant drumming by Charlie. And really one of the songs that shows off, you know, Keith and his genius as a guitar player, which um, he doesn't always get as much credit or um or attention for you know a lot of the attention with Keith comes from other things but um but you know he him just kind of uh playing actually all the guitar parts on that on that track um and it's one of the stones tracks that doesn't feature the entire group it's um bill wyman is absent i think um uh mick taylor's playing bass on that um so all the guitar work there is is, is keith richards and uh you really appreciate um, his playing and his musicianship and his songwriting. Mm-hmm. Great awesome. analysis. Um, I'm glad it's on the playlist. I'm glad we all agree on it because yeah. uh, <laughs> that just makes me happy. Dan, what's your next selection? Uh, my next selection is going to back to Sticky Fingers. Okay. Again, um, and I chose uh, "Can You Hear Me Knocking," ah. um, which is, a, I think, the the fourth track on the album. Um, it's kind of an extended track. Um, great interplay. This is uh, a track that features both Charlie Watts on drums and, and Rocky Dijon on congas. And there is great interplay between what Charlie's playing on set and what Rocky Dijon is doing on the congas. Um, and it kind of goes from, you know, the beginning part of the song is kind of like this straight ahead um, kind of rock song, another great riff by, um, by Keith. And then it goes into this extended jam that almost sounds Santana-like, um, you know, very Latin in um, Latin jazz in the groove that Charlie's playing. You've got the congas going um, and uh, saxophone by Bobby Keys. And then Mick Taylor really kind of channeling Carlos Santana in his guitar playing. Um, and it just shows that, uh, you know, the Stones could jam too. Um, probably just as good as uh, any of the other bands that were known for long extended jams at, at that time. It's just a great track. Um, and I also love like the darkness of the lyrics too, um, sort of in the same vein as a uh, uh, Midnight Rambler kind of kind of song. I love the way you mentioned the Santana comparison. I never had thought of that before, but now that you mentioned it, I see it totally. I hear, I hear it in my, mm-hmm. I'm playing the song in my head and I completely hear it. And uh, when you said Can't Hear Me Knocking as your song choice, the first thing that occurred to me is the saxophone because it's such an amazing part of the song and where it just jams, like you said, and, and goes in an unexpected direction. Um, it's, it's a great, great choice. And I think, again, shows the diversity of the Stones music as we flush out this playlist. Scott, what are your thoughts on this track? Great choice. Not much I can add more, but the comment on Dan's, the jamming comment, like, Growing up, yeah, I never thought of the Stones as like a jamming band, right? Like, um, I grew up just thinking of like Satisfaction, you know, some of those like quick two hit 60s songs, but like they can really jam and they're super talented. And like, I never really like tied that in with them. Like, I think of like Zeppelin and other bands that, you know, can definitely jam, put out like a long session. But yeah, um, I'm glad you made that comment, Dan, because they really can. Excellent. Scott, what's your your next song choice? I'm going to let it bleed. And, um, Dan brought up Bill Wyman on, um, uh, I think you're talking about Tumbling Dice, and he does an amazing job on this intro uh, for Monkey Man. Uh, I think we all enjoy this song. 
great bass little intro with some vibraphone and then charlie just comes in with some heavy drums it's just um just a great like rock song if you think about it, it's just i don't know how well known it is i think it's kind of a deep track but i think over the years it's gotten pretty popular because it's been in like movies and things like that but mm-hmm. uh just an awesome rock song, basically. Um, I don't really have much more to learn than that, but like when I hear it on the radio, I definitely crank it up because it, it gets me in, a, it gets me going, gets the adrenaline pumping. Uh, yeah, Scott, like you said, it's not. I wouldn't call it a hit song, but I think the Stones. I'm not sure, Dan. You may know this. It's definitely part of their live repertoire in several mm-hmm. concert appearances. I don't know if that was from the time the song first came out, but I know I've heard live versions of it, and uh, I'm a fan of the song. I, I really like it. Um, I actually thought about including it on the playlist tonight and I'm glad I didn't because I gave you the, you know, you got appreciate the it, Scott. Yeah, of course. Um, nothing I could add to it beside what you said, but I'm a fan of it. So it's a great choice, Dan. Um, it's, it's got an awesome groove again, that combination, that rhythm section, that Wyman Watts rhythm section, uh, really drives the song. Um, and, and it's a fun song. It's got some quirky lyrics too. Yes. <laughs> um, it's definitely kind of hard to figure out what exactly, uh, Nick's talking about. Um, but it's one of my favorite tracks on let it bleed. Great awesome. choice. Another great album, by the way, one of the best of all time, let it bleed Just classic. Um, so guys, for my next choice, I definitely chose, this is a Charlie Watts song. I heard this song mentioned by a few critics after he passed as being one of his best performances. And it's also one of the best Halloween songs. Can't remember if this came up in our Halloween playlist episode, but now it's spooky season. Like they say, Halloween Horror Nights is starting tomorrow night at Universal. So I'm getting ready for Halloween. This is the perfect Halloween song. Do you, do you guys want to take a guess what song I have in mind? I think I have a, I have, I have a thought. I have a Go thought. Ahead. I mean, spoiler, this song I'm about to say is on my list. Are you talking painted black? I am. Okay. <laughs> yes. Dan, was that what you were going to guess? It was. Okay. Now, this is a, a huge hit. I think it's been on every Rolling Stones greatest hits compilation since it first came out. But I'll tell you what I love about this song. First, let's begin with Charlie Watts' drumming. Driving force, the whole track. I can't even imagine how he played it because to me, I, it's, it would be tiring. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know how any drummer could keep that up. Just nonstop. Um, do, 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 do. And he just, uh, to my ears, it's just nonstop. Mm-hmm. For that time of in that era, I think it's really creative, just like doing that ride, like on a like a floor tom, basically, you know, like it's mm-hmm. just it's innovative to me, if you ask. Yeah. Me for, the, for the time that it was released, it's innovative and maybe to me is what stands out most about the song. And am I correct, guys? That is a sitar that's being used on the track, correct? Yes, that is a sitar. Mm-hmm. So I love that. And it's got a spooky sound as someone who loves yeah. scary sound of music. It to me is, is pretty scary sounding. And um, I love the lyrics. Um, I don't know what they were writing about. Maybe you guys know what the lyrics represent, but to me, it's just horror movie imagery and the song, whether it's the stones version or cover versions has certainly been featured in at least one horror movie trailer. I think it was in some Kevin Bacon horror movie. Stir, trailer stir, it's in stir of echoes. Stir yeah. of yeah. echoes. Amazing. That's great. Oh yeah. This is because he's like trying to play it on the guitar and his son, like he hits a chord wrong and his son fixes it. Like, no, this is how you play it. Like stir of echoes. That's how you get six degrees of Kevin Bacon from the podcast. To the, uh, um, anyhow, uh, it's just one of my favorite tracks. Never gets old. And uh, I know you guys love it, too. We've talked about it before, but but share your thoughts on Paint of Black. 
I personally can't add much more. Um, I was on my list basically because of Charlie's drumming. I mean, it's a good stone song. It's not like one of my top, but uh, just like, I love that little intro. Right. And then Charlie's just like, it just sets the tone for the rest of the song. It just, he never ends. Right. He's just like hundred going a hundred the whole time at it. And um, interesting lyrics, as you pointed out, Scott, and, and it definitely does have like that Halloween vibe to it. I kind of, I kind of like what you did there because as we're getting into the Halloween season. Well, it's interesting because the stones last year, I'm looking something up on my phone connected to this every Friday for a few weeks in a row, they would release these EPs digitally some of which were themed, like one was called Rainbow EP, um, Unwind Country. And they actually released a Halloween EP. And surprisingly, this song is not on there, by the way, as I just opened it up to see. Do um, you guys want to hear what is on there or no? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Living in a Ghost Town, which was the new song that came out last year, I guess. Wasn't that a new track? Scarlet featuring Jimmy Page. Too Much Blood. A live version of Sympathy for the Devil. And Beast of Burden. Nice. Wow. Interesting. So I, I remember that. I actually like the yeah. cover of the EP. I don't know that song featuring Jimmy Page, but I'm intrigued now, though. Oh, my. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's like a, a, I guess, outtake from the Goathead Soup sessions. So I think it's on the new, I think it just came out, Goathead Soup, uh, whatever. Yeah, 40th, it was a, a reissue 40th, of the 30th, album. 45th yeah. Yeah, anniversary album. Um, and, uh, yeah, interesting that it would be, I haven't heard the song yet. I will check it out now. Um, the only thing I knew about it is that, uh, uh Scarlet is, uh, Jimmy Page's daughter's name. So it's interesting that it shows up on a Halloween, uh, uh, playlist. So I'm not really curious to listen to the song. <laughs> it's also interesting that Painted Black is not on that list. It is. It Agreed. is. Um, Dan, I guess you're next. What's your uh, next song selection? Um, so my next song selection, um, also like Scott, I'm going to the, uh, to the Let It Bleed album and, uh, it's the title track, Let It Bleed, um, which, uh, I've always, it's always been one of my favorite tracks on the album. Um, just kind of great, um, down and dirty stone song, you know, um, and great drumming from Charlie Watts, uh, great, uh, guitar playing from Keith. And this is one of those tracks that by this time, uh, the Stones were kind of in transition. Um, uh, Brian Jones had left the band at this point. I think he only appears on two tracks on that album. Um, it's uh, um, Midnight Rambler. I think he plays auto harp on. And uh, I forget the other one. Oh, you got, no. Midnight Rambler, he plays percussion on. And you got the silver, he plays auto harp on. Um, and then he's not on the rest of it. So all of the guitar duties are, are Keith um, playing guitar and uh, it's largely acoustic guitar in this track. And then Keith doing some electric fills on top. But I just remember reading a story about how after, fittingly for the title, after they were done recording, when Keith put his guitar, his acoustic guitar down, the fretboard was like smeared with blood wow. from the wow. hours that he had just been, you know, uh, chugging away on, on on the guitar recording that track um, it's a great track and it's another track that kind of you know where the stones kind of got their i i would say they're they're continuing to push their bad boy image you know kind of being you know the, the beatles were the clean cut mop tops and the stones were like the bad boys that you didn't want your daughters to date and and this was one of those kind of you know lyrically kind of like that kind of dirty um you know uh 
uh, Stones, Stones tracks. Dan, where would you rank Let It Bleed in their top albums of all time? Is it top five for you? So I think, yeah, I think you have like um, what many call the classic Stones period. Um, and it's really from um, Beggar's Banquet to Exile, like that stretch of al- albums, the Beggar's Banquet, Let It Bleed, um, uh, Sticky Fingers, Exile mm-hmm. um, are like the top, the top Stones albums. Um, and then I think you could throw in probably like, um, I think some girls would go up there as well. Um, but I think those are really like the solid, um, the most solid Stones albums. Do you know offhand when your Beggar's Banquet came out? 68, uh, I think. 68. Because yeah, that's my, my next songs on that album. Oh, great. That, <laughs> yeah. That's a great segue. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah, you did not plan that. But, um, so that's interesting. So from a Beatles perspective, you're looking at like White Album through to two years post breakup, give or take. Yeah, I think it's the I think it's probably also the period where the Stones kind of I think there was a small period there like the Stones Stones I don't think were ever the band, right? Of 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 a time. Right? So like the 60s the Beatles were the band and the Stones were number 2. I think when you look at the 70s like Led Zeppelin was probably the band of the 1970s, the rock band of the 1970s and then you had like the Stones and the Who there. But I think for that little space of time, like 68, um, 71, 72, before like when the Beatles were breaking up and before like Zeppelin really hit it big, like mm-hmm. the Stones had their little moment in the sun of kind of being like the band of the of the hour there. Right, right. Scott, using Dan's comments as a segue, uh, you said your next song is from Beggar's Banquet. So what is yep. your selection? Beggar's Banquet is loaded. And, like, and I can definitely see where Dan, I like how Dan explained like that little four album stretch is definitely like, it's kind of like the rubber soul through. Well, <laughs> it's hard to do that with the Beatles. Every album, sure. every era is so great with the Beatles, but uh, I'm going with Street Fighting Man. Um, great choice. Just love that intro. Like that. And then it's just hard. Like, the Stones have these great intros to songs when you really think about it. Um, I won't spoil any because I don't have it on my official list, but we're getting a lot of duplicates. So I'm going to have to improvise a little bit. I'm thinking of some others that have great intros, but uh, just another great intro. And then Charlie just comes in heavy with the, with some more Tom Toms. And it's just kind of like my last choice with, um, with monkey man. Like I kind of like those hard rockers and this mm-hmm. is just a fun little rocking late sixties, 60 songs off a, off a awesome record. I have a question for you guys. I don't know if you know the answer to it. I don't know the answer. Earlier today, I was listening to Street Fighting Man, and I love that track. In the lyrics where they say, summer's here and the time is right, is that inspired by dancing in the street? Because that's obviously the same lyric as summer's here and the time yeah. is right for dancing in the street. Is Do you know if that phrase, summer's here and the time is right, was taken from that song? I don't know. Um, sure. It was. It was? Okay. Uh, it was, it was, yeah. I actually have a book somewhere. It's um, uh, called um, "Rip This Joint," and it's it's about all the all the Stone songs. Oh, and um, and I think the the from what I remember reading in there, the story behind that was that uh, you know, "Dancing in the Street" was such a big hit um, when it came out. I think what, probably was a '66 was was "Dancing in that's the Street." A, that I sounds would about say, right. Say probably around there, and. Um, Jagger felt that when you watched um, what was going on in the United States at the time, it didn't look like people were dancing in the streets. Um, <laughs> it, it looked much more violent and, and much more um, contentious. So uh, it was kind of a knock on dancing in the street. 
right. um, taking that lyric and, and kind of, you know, corrupting it at the end there with fighting in the street. As if to say, oh, sorry, go ahead, Scott. I'll just say that. And that's a great song too. Like if I know we need to do like a Motown episode. That's sometime. a great idea, Scott. And that's a great would, idea. That's definitely one of my, that would be on my playlist for sure. But, uh, but yeah, so it's interesting. So I was looking around about Street Fighting Man and maybe I'm just like not hearing it for some reason, but Brian Jones plays the sitar on that. <laughs> And yeah, he's I don't it. I don't hear it though for some reason. But yeah, I'm trying to it's, think. <laughs> it's it's buried. He's got he's doing sitar and ta- and the tambura mm-hmm. on it, which you do hear like that coming yeah. in, in different parts of it. Um, but it's it's buried because of how they decided to record the acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, because they wanted the acoustic sound, but they wanted distortion on it. And um, you know, back then. You know, you really didn't have a lot of acoustic electrics. You know, there were very right. few, and and uh, uh, Keith didn't have one at his disposal. So what they did was they recorded, um, and I think they did the same thing for Jumpin' Jack Flash. They recorded the acoustic guitar on like a like a dictation um, tape recorder, and then brought the tape recorder into the studio and turned the volume on the tape recorder all the way up, and then mic'd and recorded the tape recorder. And that's how you get that like distorted sounding acoustic that's on Street Fighting Man and the beginning of Jumping Jack Flash. Um, but it caused problems for mixing the song because it was, you know, kind of loud and 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 rough. Yeah. Um, so it buries some of the other stuff on the track. But mm-hmm. interesting. Still works I, well. I don't know yeah. about you, but we need to hang out with Dan more. <laughs> like I love this. <laughs> I love these stories. Let me tell you something, Scott. I've known Dan now for decades, right, my friend? Yes. Yes. When I first met Dan, I I know when we we started really hanging out in high school, Mm -hmm. I used to love just hanging out at his house and listening to him talk about music. I'm not kidding you when I tell you it made me into the music fan I am. That's like an amazing influence on me. Like I can do a lot of that analysis, like on Beatle tracks, but like I just love how it's not even on his list. And Dan's like, oh, yeah, let me tell you about how they recorded this. (laughs) That's so awesome. I love it. It's awesome. It really is. And, um, before we get to my next selection, I just want to say one thing about Motown, Scott. You got me thinking about this because uh, I would say outside of, I mean, maybe it's the, it's still a label in 60s music and of course beyond the 60s too, yeah. that I still am hearing a ton of songs that I never heard before. Periodically yeah. I'll hear them and I can't tell you how great these songs are. There, I mean, every time I hear a Motown track, whether it be like on Soul Town Radio on Sirius XM or some streaming music service that I don't know, I, I'm, my jaw drops at how great these songs are. Like They're the so deepest great. tracks are so phenomenal. And I might hear it a lot because I'm like an hour away from Motown, you know? So like yeah, I grew you're, up you're, hearing a lot of Motown on local radio, you know? And, but you're right. Like I, Soul, Soul Town on XM is a very underrated channel. If you ask it me. is, um, you can find some really great gems on there. Absolutely true. Um, okay, so my next song selection, I got a few good ones left. And actually, that's a great segue because I'm going to choose a cover of a Motown song done by the Stones. I'm assuming we could do covers, right? That's allowed? Yeah, a lot okay. of the early stuff is yeah. covers. Right? A lot of their early stuff is covers. This is actually not one of the earliest stuff. This is from the Some Girls album, and it's uh, their cover of The Temptations, Just My Imagination, which the Stones, I believe, called Imagination. Yes. And... I remember buying the reissue of some girls a few years ago, not knowing they did this cover and hearing the track. I'm like, wait a second. That's the temptations. Just my imagination. And you wouldn't know it because it sounds a combination of this, this rock country sound 
And I love Jagger's vocal on it. Uh, a great example of Charlie Watts drumming. There's a part in the song where uh, I, I feel like I'm just kind of playing in my head where Jagger kicks in the, the drum stop and then Watts brings back the drums and it starts driving the song again. Um, also great Keith Richards guitar licks that open the track, kind of this country focused electric sound, which is great. Um, never gets old. As a matter of fact, when I put on the Some Girls album, if I'm not listening to the whole thing straight through, I usually start with that track. I may listen to that Stone song more than some of their biggest hits. For whatever reason, it just resonates with me. And the Stones, of course, were heavily influenced by a lot of American R&B music from the Motown sound, a lot of blues music. Um, and that's one of the great things about them. They brought um, African-American music over to England in a major way and it introduced new audiences to that, that music, which is great. So um, I love it. Just absolutely love it. Uh, do you guys, are you familiar with this cover? Somewhat. Um, I will say, like, I just love the original so much, <laughs> yeah, <me laughs> which too. is why it's... I wouldn't have made my list. Um, but I, I don't have much to, to add. I'm sure Dan has some great com commentary to add. Um, I, I enjoy the song. I think it's um, it's better than uh, the other um, Stones Motown cover from the time period, which was uh, Ain't Too Proud to Beg. Um, True. And, I, and I think it's it, it's better because they they put their own twist on it where ain't too proud to bed just bag just sounds like a uh you know just a note for note almost recording of re-recording of the temptations track um you know just my imagination kind of shows them taking it in a different direction and um making the track theirs and and uh um, putting a cool little twist on it so i do i do enjoy that cover excellent excellent dan what do you got next um, so my next track is, is, uh, off of beggar's banquet. Um, and it's sympathy for the devil. Um, I think it's just a great classic stones track. Um, another great track like can you hear me knocking that has, um, again, Rocky Dijon on congas and that, uh, melding of what Charlie Watts is playing on the set, um, kind of mimicking what the groove that the congas are doing, um, really makes the song in my opinion kind of gives it that kind of voodoo um you know um hypnotic kind of vibe to it and um and then just the lyrics um the background vocals adding like kind of a spooky a spooky vibe to it um and keith's guitar solos um it's just an incredible incredible track and also building an intensity from the beginning to the end and the drums, both the congas and, and, and what Charlie Watts is playing on set have a lot to do with that. Um, and I'm surprised that song wasn't on the Halloween. Uh, no, it was. It, it was, was, it was the last track. Oh, it I was. Think. That's yeah. right. Oh, it was a live version. Yeah. Right. I missed that. Yeah. But uh, one of my favorite Stones tracks. Yeah. I Great have song. Go ahead, Scott. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I always like, I always like jump in, but uh, no, no. Great song um, on my list as well. I believe it's the opening track off of beggars too. Which yeah, is, it is. Some, I just like to analyze albums sometimes. And like, I always try to wonder like, how did they come up with the track order? I think about that with the Beatles a lot. Like what if they would have started with this song first, you know, like what if Taxman wasn't first, like how would that, how would revolver be, you know, but this one really sets the tone. I think it's a great opening track and you hear like the shouting, like in the, in the talking in the background, the, the kick it mm -hmm. off. It's just, and mix, Solo, I mean, uh, not Keith solos like you talked about, Dan, are just fantastic in this song. It's one of my favorite Keith guitar work for sure. 
And uh, the only thing I was going to add is that I've seen this song used to depict horror movie stuff. Most notably, it stands out at the end of Interview with the Vampire, where Tom Cruise jumps in, is it Brad Pitt's car or something like that? Or no, no, no. Christian Slater's car. Christian Slater's car. Christian Slater's car. Great movie, by the way, Interview with the Vampire. Um, and that song plays. And I've also used it in, I've seen it used in documentary films about the 1960s, showing the craziness of the 60s and the riots and everything. It's it, it's a chaotic song. It really is. And I think captures that well. Uh, great opening track. Maybe the best Stones opening track. I'd have to go through all their albums, but uh, definitely could be the best opening track for a Stones album. Um, I, I would say it's pretty, yeah, yeah. pretty close. I, I think uh, um, you could argue Give Me Shelter or Let It Bleed would be a mm-hmm. close second to that. Yeah. But um, definitely a, an excellent opening track. And Really kind of, um, I think we talked a couple times, Scott, about, um, you know, going from Beatles album to Beatles album and you can see kind of the jump in style mm-hmm. and like the maturity and the change. Um, and I mean, to just think of the last album that the Stones put out uh, before that was uh, their Satanic Majesties, which was this kind of loose, like psychedelic hodgepodge. And then to have the first track of their next album be something like Sympathy for the Devil, so divergent, mm-hmm. um, but also commenting on a lot of the criticism that they were getting at the time, especially with the title of the preceding album and their bad boy image. And, right. you know, um, you know, they were not afraid to kind of rub it in people's faces a little bit and cause awesome. some controversy. Totally agree with that. And um, nothing else for me to add. Scott, yeah. anything else to add about Sympathy for the Devil? Not much, but it's a great segue for my next track. Um, I think I know (laughs) this could be going, but go ahead, take it. Well, no, it's just, um, I loved how Dan talked about like how they, when you, when you go from the album in 67 to 68, you could just see like the maturity already and sympathy for the devil. And um, the next track on the album, is actually the one I'm picking, which is the B side to the last song I did street fighting man. And probably not a super known song, but it's called no expectations. And it's a great Charlie Watts actually isn't even on the track. I know this is we're focusing more on Charlie tonight, but it's one of my favorite Stone songs. Um, I commented Dan earlier today about the the slide guitar on it. It's just uh, and it, it's one of like Dan mentioned. It's one of like Brian Jones's like final pieces of work really with the band, and it's just a, a spectacular song that I recommend everyone listen to if you haven't already. Yeah, I um, when you mentioned it, I certainly know the title, but I can't playing in my mind. So I'm going to go back and listen to it. That's great. That's great. It's always good to be reminded of good songs. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like really catchy about it. It's a great vocal mm-hmm. um, from Mick, but uh, it's the slide guitar and just like the, the mellow, it's kind of folky a little bit there too. It's just a, just mm-hmm. overall great track with a great transition to go from devil to no expectations. It's just a great way to one, yeah. two punch of the album. And in a way it's kind of Beatleish in the sense that it's diverse. And yeah. um, it's like drive my car to uh, to Norwegian wood. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Good, good, good comparison. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan, what are your thoughts about no expectations? Um, I love no expectations. It's one of my favorite, like deep stones cuts. And um, again, largely for it's, it's melancholy and, um, and the, and the slide guitar part is really excellent. And um kind of thinking about it, it it makes makes you kind of sad about you know brian jones and you know what 
he went through and, and kind of the span of, of his career with the Stones. And, um, you know, he started off as the leader of the band when they were, you know, an R&B blues cover band. And then once uh, Jagger Richards started writing together, he kind of lost his spot and, and his way of making up for that for a while until he got lost in a drug haze was to be the multi-instrumentalist -instrument, of the band, whether it be the sitar and painted black or the vibraphone on under my thumb and the slide guitar here. Um, he added a lot of color to, I mean, the Mellotron on, on, on She's a Rainbow, he added a lot of color to a lot of the tracks and it's a shame that he ended up, you know, totally burning out and mm -hmm. then um, passing away in, in, in 69. Uh, turning to my next song, the reason, Scott, I thought that, I thought you were going to choose a song I'm going to mention because Dan mentioned it a few moments ago. And this is an interesting choice by me because I love the song and Stones do a great job on it, but it's actually a song that I am choosing because of the background vocal having nothing to do. And I think I see Dan and Scott both nodding their heads. And um, the song is Give Me Shelter, which of course is a legendary song, a, a, a standard for the Stones featured, I think, in every concert tour since the studio version first appeared. And Mary Clayton is the name of the vocalist who sings the background vocal. Uh, and a few years ago, I saw a documentary film. It was called 20 Feet from Stardom. Got a lot of attention, and it was a documentary film about background singers and what their experiences are like and their stories. And she was one of the singers that was focused on. And if I recall correctly, it may have been in this film or maybe a YouTube video, they isolated her vocal here. And it is one of the most powerful vocal performances I have ever heard any song, any genre ever. Uh, the story goes, if I recall correctly, you guys may be able to back me up on this. She was the recording session was in the middle of the night and she was called out of bed to see if she could perform in the studio. And she came down to the studio and sang this kind of like on one take or two takes, nothing major. Um, but she just hits it out of the park. And it's so overwhelming that every time a live performance has been recorded, which features a different vocalist, no matter how good that vocalist does in your mind, you're always comparing it to Mary Clayton. It's kind of like if you see the sound of music on a stage production, you're always going to be thinking, okay, well, she's good, but she's not Julie Andrews. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like that type of thing. And I just think for that reason alone, it makes the cut. Uh, which is a testament to her performance in that track. So that's why I chose the song. Background performance sealed the deal. So guys, what is your take on Give Me Shelter? It's an epic stone song. <laughs> it really is. And it's funny because like we're, I, I'm sure Dan's the same way. You you really focus on that background vocal. That's what I think of. Um, when you said it was like featured in like every stone concert, I thought you were going to say featured in every Martin Scorsese film. Because <laughs> I think it might be too. <laughs> that too. <laughs> It may be right there. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, just a, just a great track. I think we talked earlier that it's the opening number, right, for, for Let It Bleed, I believe. Um, right. and, man, they hit it out of the park with that opening number too. But it's just – I love to start with like the soft little percussion, you know, and then it just kind of builds up. And then the, the background vocal, the she just kills it at the end of the song. It's just so good. You know what yeah, I want to do, guys, tonight before I go to sleep? I don't know if you guys do this. Do you ever put headphones on and just listen to music before you go to sleep? I kind of want to listen to this track before I go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> and give me shelter. What's your take on, on that track? It's a, it, it's a great track. And we've talked about songs that kind of like um, encapsulate a moment, right? And time kind of is um, indicative of the time that it was recorded. And I feel like um, 
there's probably no song recorded in 1969 that better exemplifies like the tail end of that year mm-hmm. from like August to December. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's got that stone's menace. Um, and it kind of shows like almost that, that final um, kind of death of that hippie era right um it has that menace it has that tension um that i think was building throughout that year and you look at some of the things that happened in the course of that year um you know from the manson murders to what the stones would experience at altamont in december of 69 um and that song is kind of i mean it gave its name to the documentary that uh was about that that concert um it kind of has the feeling of that that time period and, and what was going on in that year. Um, it's just uh, an incredible song. And again, it, it's the backing vocals that give it that feeling um, and the job that Mary Clayton does on that. And um, especially after the brief kind of uh, the brief guitar solo, when she's really kind of wailing there. And if you listen closely, you could, you could hear Mick kind of audibly react to her hit the highest note mm-hmm. um, yes. in that portion um, and, and really just an incredible when it, it's rare that you get to see the backing vocalist make the track, but, right. but she really does make the song and brings the emotion and the drama and the menace to the song. And, um, and it's a shame. I mean, it's, it's, she's one of those vocalists that, you know, people don't know, might not know her name, but they heard her before. I mean, she's all over Dark Side of the Moon as one of the mm-hmm. back, background vocalists there. I was gonna comment. I was um, gonna comment on Great Gig in the Sky. How like I kind of see the both. The, they're both. Haunt, it's a haunting vocal, really. And um, mm-hmm. just, I would almost kind of put this on my Halloween <laughs> stone mix, just because of, like how haunting it. It is a Halloween sometimes. song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speak and uh, guys, sure. this is interesting. I just looked her up on Wikipedia. She is on the Ringo Starr song, Oh My My, which is from his uh, first uh, solo album. Not first solo album, first uh, hit solo album, I guess you could say. Ringo, the, his biggest album. She's featured prominently on that, which is interesting. Nice. Yeah, totally different vibe. <laughs> totally different vibe. <laughs> uh, she sung with Tori Amos. And she uh, was with the Blackbirds. A lot of stuff. I mean, legendary stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and I will add before we get to this, guys, she recorded a solo version of Gimme Shelter, which peaked at number 73 on the pop charts. It would be the first of five singles under her name to crack the Billboard Hot 100. Interesting, right? That is interesting. And with that, let's continue the playlist. I guess, Dan, you're next, right? Yes. Um, yeah, I am uh, have to go to my uh, secondary list here. Um, for my number, uh, I guess, second to last pick. Um, and I'm going to have to go with uh, Honky Tonk Woman. Um, and when we talk about great introductions to a song, um, I feel like Honky Tonk Woman is one of those uh, songs that has a great intro and, and one, of, one of, you know, great drum intros. And it's nothing fancy. It just starts with the cowbell and then that great fill and then right into the groove of the song. And that groove, again, drives the song from beginning to end. Um, it's a great kind of country blues track um, and, a, and a Stones classic for sure. 
first uh, drum fill I ever learned in my life, actually. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> my, great. So I was going to bring this up too, Dan, as part of my secondary list. <laughs> it's funny, we're like we're, we're like crossing uh, paths here a lot. Because um, I tied this to a personal connection of my dad. My dad was a drummer too, which is why I became one. And you can't you can't go a couple days being in his house without hearing him do 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 like playing that cowbell part and then hitting that fill. Like that's one of his favorite things to play, which is probably one of the first things I learned because of him. And it's just a, a cool intro, and I just love that fill by Charlie, and um, just sets up the whole song. It's a it's a fun song. It, it really is. I don't think it's well known really um i mean i think it was a hit but it's not one that like always comes to the top of your mind it's just just a fun track what stands out about this song for me is that for a lot of the song you have jagger doing a solo lead vocal and then right before it gets to the chorus that final line it seems like i guess it's keith richards that joins him so yeah it's, and i think that's cool kind of get the dual vocals right before huh i like it i love that build-up which is great and uh today i listened to that track and like you just said, Scott, it, it's well-known, but it's not like the ultra well-known Stones category. And when it came on today, I was like, oh, this is great. I haven't heard this that recently. And you get that opening drum sound and the guitar riff. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is Stones perfection right here. Awesome. Scott, what is your next track? So my my playlist that I made on iTunes is we've covered it all. So mm-hmm. I'm improvising here. And. I'm just going to go with a classic stone song. I think everyone knows this song. Talk about, in, I'm starting to learn tonight. Like I really love intros to stone songs and here you got a great riff. Doom, 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 doom. And then Charlie comes in with a snare hit. Brown sugar is yeah. such a great, great stone song. Um, did, did either of you guys ever watch the wire on HBO? No, but no. I heard it's amazing. Okay. It's a, it's my favorite like TV show. I mean, bad language, really graphic show but like really authentic really great anyway so they're trying to in one of the episodes they're trying to like you know figure out what these people are saying over like a phone line they're like speaking like all this jargon they can't figure it out and one guy figures it out and he quotes brown sugar and like he says the lyrics and like what are you talking about like oh that's the start of brown sugar you probably heard that song 200 times and you never understood what big jagger was saying (laughs) because i I still don't know what that first lyric is to that song (laughs) but uh it's just it's a, it's a classic. I think everyone knows Brown Sugar. Um, just great rock song. Great drumming too by Charlie Watt. I just I love that intro. It's a simple snare hit that brings him in. Yeah, and it's just phenomenal. I love it as a live performance where at the end say woo yeah yeah woo and then the whole crowd <laughs> kind of goes crazy. It's a great song to hear live and to participate in live, which is really great. Um, good good choice, Scott. Dan, what do you what do you think of uh, Brown Sugar? Um, I think Brown Sugar is also another great opening track for yeah. a Stones album. I mean, if you think about it, that's that would be three in a row where they really kind of wow. nailed it on the opening track right off the bat. Um, and again, it, it brings something new to the Stones sound. Um, and everything up to that point, if there was an instrumental break, it was going to be uh, a guitar solo. You know, you were going to hear Keith or Keith and Brian Jones together and you had this new guitarist, Mick Jones, who had, uh, Mick Taylor, sorry, Mick Taylor, who had uh, built up a reputation as being Clapton's replacement in um, John Mayall's Blues Breakers. So he was known for being this really kind of hot shot, young lead guitarist. And first instrumental break on a Stones track with this like new hot shot, young guitarist in there. Um, you're waiting for that guitar solo and it's a saxophone solo. Yeah. And it's the first time we hear sax on a Stones album. 
um, like that with Bobby Keys' sax solo. And it, it feels like, uh, and it kind of, it sounds like it's always been there. It sounds like, you know, Keith's guitar reborn in brass. It's an incredible moment. And it shows us, uh, again, the, um, the progression of the stones and the maturing of them from um, as a rock band. Yeah, that saxophone solo. Yeah, I had to. I was looking it up because, like, yeah, I think there's a great sax solo in it. I was going to comment <laughs> yeah. on it, but that's basically. I figured that's where you were going with that, Dan. And then I saw. I didn't recognize the name, but Bobby Keys. That that is. Can you come up with a better name for a saxophone player? No, <laughs> or, <laughs> or piano player maybe, but that's great true. name. Great name. Great name, and he's played with this. It, unfortunately, I think he did. He pass away. Is that? I thought he did. I thought he passed a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I remember. Um, yeah, Bobby Keys, I'll tell you guys real quick. Yeah, he passed away 2014. He was a strong presence with the Stones for years. Every time you go to see them live, that he would always be on stage with them. So great, great performer. Um, and great song. Just totally great that track. Great song. So I think uh, I'll mention it, and then we go to our final selection, right? Is that the... I think, I think that's where we are, yeah. I got three songs left to choose from, and I think I know what I'm going to conclude with. So this is the next one I'm going to mention is going to be part of a reissue coming out very soon of the album Tattoo You. And the lead single from Tattoo You was Start Me Up, well-known song. That is not what I'm choosing. The song I'm choosing is the second single, which is Waiting on a Friend. And in terms of the song itself, there's not much I could say about it other than that, in a way, it's a very different type of Stone song. It's very, we talked about, I guess, the first song we mentioned, Dan, you chose Beast of Burden, and I described it as breezy. I would describe the same thing with Waiting on a Friend. It's got this laid back sound to it. Uh, great saxophone on that track as well, played by Sonny Rollins, actually, the legendary jazz musician, plays on uh, Waiting on a Friend. And... What stands out to me, and maybe this goes into my selection, is the music video for that song, which a lot of people are familiar with. And I did some research before the show tonight. I'll tell you some interesting facts about the video. It was directed by the director of Let It Be, Michael Lindsay Hogg, who also directed, I guess, the Start Me Up music video, but don't quote me on that. And they're on a street in New York, St. Mark's Place, Jagger and Richards, in front of a building. And that building is featured on the cover of the Led Zeppelin album, Physical Graffiti. So you get this classic rock buffet basically coming together with a lot of cool stuff happening there. And uh, it's kind of a cheesy video, to be honest with you. I, I, my recollection of it is that it's a little cheesy, but it's fun. And uh, I pre-ordered the tattoo you reissue. Uh, so I'm eager to get that. And I just really like the song. That's why I put it on there. I also I'll note that I like the live version that appears on the Stones album, No Security. I think I saw them live on the tour that preceded it. And uh, it's a great live version if you haven't heard it yet. So, guys, what do you think? Waiting on a friend. It was it was on my list, so I actually just uh, just crossed it off. Um, but it, yeah, it's a great song, and yeah, it is it is breezy. It's a breezy track. Um, I think one of the things about Tattoo You uh, was that's interesting was that they went back to a lot of older tracks. Um, when making up that album. So like, I think Start Me Up came from like Sessions in 78 originally mm -hmm. um, for some girls. Um, uh, Waiting for a Friend goes back to 73 uh, with Goat's, Goat's Head Soup. And that was uh, written in, or um, was first worked on in Jamaica. So I think that's why mm -hmm. you kind of get that breezy kind of feel to it. 
Um, Cause you know, sometimes your environment uh, reflects upon what you're, what you're putting together, what you're laying down and uh, um, definitely has that breezy feel to it. I didn't um, realize I it went back to goat's head soup. Yeah. Yeah. It goes, it goes back that late. Wow. Interesting. Uh, Scott, I noticed when I mentioned the music video, you nodded your head. Is that uh, standing yeah, out for you? That's what actually stands out to me for that song, actually, is the music video. And I was trying to see if I could find it while you were talking about it, but I'm almost sure that VH1 had a pop-up video of it. They did. Like, they did. All, like they the they little did. facts. And <laughs> how great were pop-up videos? Like, how great were those? Awesome. That's right. That's right. It was amazing. I think Dan is like a pop-up video like in human form. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I just remember like enjoying the the little tidbits that they would have during that video. And that's just, that's my biggest memory of it. And it's a, yeah. it's a great choice, Scott. Thank you. Thank you. And um, guys, as we get ready to uh, mention our final song selection, I just want to throw this out there. Do any of you remember a TV episode of the Wonder Years where there's a rumor that the Rolling Stones are going to be appearing at some local bar and they, Kevin and Winnie, I guess, and Paul, they all drive out to go find this, the bar where the Stones were playing and I kind of remember they don't see it, but then the closing credits, you hear some guy in a British accent imitating Mick Jagger. Does it ring a bell? No, not, not to me. <laughs> All right. I hope I didn't I make go that, back whole thing and check up. that out. Yeah. No, could come now, to me in now, a that dream. now that it's streaming on Hulu, we could, we could go check it out, see if we could find it. You, you dream show. of that and Paul dreams of yesterday. Okay. I guess that's true. <laughs> I'm still waiting to wake up one day with yesterday, <laughs> yesterday equivalent in my mind. And then, uh, <laughs> To write a new hit song but anyhow uh as we get ready to go to our number one our final selection it doesn't mean it's our number one choice just our final selection i just want to say this has been great guys love talking these playlists with you i, I come out of every episode reinvigorated as a music fan if that makes any sense it's awesome totally i thought you guys were going to say more <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> well that, I, but, I, but you're agreeing and that's good um I totally agree. Like I come yeah. away from these, like I write down all our songs and I try to like make a playlist for, I call it the Scott times two and Dan, you know, little playlist. I love listening to them on walks and runs. Um, just takes me back to the episodes. Like I have all our old ones, like the Halloween's the sixties that we've done. And they're always fun to listen to. Speaking of playlists, Scott, um, you created this Riviera resort playlist for Disney's Riviera resort. And when I was there staying, staying there a few weeks ago, when I heard the music, I, I, I said to myself, I know why Scott wanted a playlist of this hotel. The music is just so perfect. The music is so great. It's got like some jazzy, like Disney themed songs. Like, yeah, some of them are like, um, like European too. Like they're like in different languages. And like, yes. I think that's so awesome. Um, yeah. If you sit in that little like coffee shop bar area, you know, like I call it like the library kind of like that's yes. a good spot to hear like all the songs and it's just, yeah. Phenomenal. Who's the Imagineer who comes up with Disney playlist is just a genius. Like great really, job. Yeah. I mean, I think animal kingdom lodge is another one. I have that playlist too, Scott, I can share to you. Share that with me. Yeah, like all these that. great African songs. And it's funny though. And sorry to get on a, a sidetrack here, but like a lot of the times, like I think like, man, this is genius how they like put all these songs in this order and it works so well. Oftentimes it's just an alphabetical order, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just that simple. <laughs> It just cracks me up. Last question for you before we get to the final selection. At Riviera Resort, did you try the coffee in the lobby coffee bar? I've had the coffee there, yes. How good is that coffee? It, to me, it's, it's so great. <laughs> I, I had the cinnamon cold brew. It was so oh, good. Nice. That is very nice. And in the afternoon, I don't know if you're a beer drinker, but they, they do have a couple beers on tap too. So that's always good too. <laughs> Another reason to book a trip. 
right? Don't need to convince. It doesn't mm-hmm. take a lot of convincing. Doesn't it take much convincing. Gentlemen, let's round out the playlist. Let's go around the table. And uh, Dan, we're going to start with you. What's your final selection for the playlist tonight? Uh, my final selection um, for the playlist tonight, I guess, goes with our theme of great intros, um, and also also great guitar riffs. And, and I think it would be like uh, if you want to talk Rolling Stones guitar riffs, it's probably the number two one that comes up after Satisfaction. Um, and it's Jumpin' Jack Flash, um, nice. which is just a great classic Stone song. Um, another song where we're not quite sure what Mick is saying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you need you need a Jagger English translator to figure <laughs> out exactly what he's talking about. Um, but it's just a great track. And, and, and again, it, it's uh, the first single they released um, after their psychedelic era. So that was the first time you uh, listeners heard them after uh, Satanic Majesties. And it's just this back to basics, bluesy, rootsy, um, guitar-driven Stones track and, and another great drum performance by Charlie Watts. I have a memory of getting into the Stones after I got into the Beatles. And one of the first songs I heard as part of that process was Jumpin' Jack Flash. And hearing that guitar riff and being blown away, I, I just said, what have I, how have I not heard this before? Have I not been listening to this? Like, where has this been? And uh, one other thing I'll mention about the track is I love the live version by Leon Russell from the concert for Bangladesh. Great live version where he plays the guitar riff on the piano. I guess he's doing it there, which is really neat. Mm-hmm. Scott, what do you think of Jumpin' Jack Flash? It's a great stone song. It's just yeah. a staple. It's a staple that I, I think a lot of people know. It's just... It's just what the Stones are good at, you know, great intros, great rock and roll, some hard to decipher lyrics from Mick. <laughs> it's just a, <laughs> just an overall great. I've said this like phrase so many times, but it's a great rock and roll song. Just yeah, I agree with that 100 yeah. percent. And now, Scott, what is your fu- I have a question for you guys, because um, yeah. like, obviously, I know my Beatles a little more than the Stones, but like. So the Beatles had George Martin like all the way through. Did the Stones go through many different producers or were they doing a lot of their own stuff or? They had several uh, yeah. producers um, for, I think from like 64, their first album till um, Aftermath, no, Between the Buttons, which was the first album of 67. Uh, it was Andrew Lou Goldham, who was their manager, mm-hmm. um, was producing their stuff. Um, and then he kind of got fed up with them um, after going into their Satanic Majesty. So they produced that largely on their own. Um, and after going through that, um, and, and dealing with the, the mess that was, they hooked up with Jimmy Miller, um, who produced, I think everything, I want to say everything through exile. Um, and after that, I think then that's when, um, Nick and Keith started uh, producing the albums as the Glimmer twins. So you'll see that, that production credit on it. Um, so they went through a couple of uh, producers um but jimmy miller has like you know is the one who produced those that four album stretch um from from uh, becker's banquet to um exile on main street um and actually plays drums on uh um you can't always get what you want as well interesting interesting that you bring that that up (laughs) (laughs) so so I've I've gone I've exhausted a lot of my playlists sure. tonight, and I had it down to two more, and I was like, I could do Fool to Cry. I don't know how everyone feels about Fool to Cry. I, I like it. It's I like a fun. It. It's a fun little song. Um, but then I was like, I'm gonna go with you can't 
always get what you want, but yet Charlie doesn't play drums on it. <laughs> um, so that's why I kind of left it off the playlist most of sure. the night anyway, but it's a great, we talk about the opening to those albums. It's the closing number to let it bleed. So we had give me shelter and now we got, you can't always get what you want. And it's just a, it's an epic, you know, seven minute track. Great. You got that, like that chorus in the background. I love the, I love the intro um, with the, like the chorus, like doing like that opening verse and then Mick does it to the acoustic guitar. It's just, it's a, it's a powerful song. And I always think of the big chill when I hear it, <laughs> which is a great movie. That's right. Great soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a great selection, Scott. It's a standard. It's a stone standard. And I think is one of their, not only is it stone standard, it's one of the standards. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll, mm-hmm. it's, it's one of like the songs. Anthem. I always think of like yeah. anthems for bands. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it has to be like a nice long song to be an anthem. And I was, right. th- this is why I always considered the stones anthem song. It's it is an bad, It's song. just too bad that Charlie's not on, on, on drums, but I still had to bring it up. Absolutely. That's a great, great choice. And uh, for my final song selection, I chose a song. I, I don't think this was would be considered a hit. It was the closing track from Beggar's Banquet. And I chose it really for the lyrics. And the song is Salt of the Earth. And I guess the first time I had heard this song was in the Rock and Roll Circus special from 1968. Michael Lindsay Hogg directed that, by the way. I said a few minutes ago, he directed Star Me Up. I don't think he directed Star Me Up. I think he, maybe he did, but I don't think so. He, he directed the Rock and Roll Circus special with John Lennon and all that stuff. Um, and the song was actually, I've read, inspired by John Lennon. They wanted to write a song that would be kind of like a working class type song that would pay tribute to the working class citizens. And when you listen to the lyrics of Salt of the Earth, yes, it's a pretty melody and has this acoustic sound, which is kind of dramatic as well. I mean, the lyrics read, say a prayer for the common foot soldier, spare a thought for his backbreaking work, say a prayer for his wife and his children who burn the fires and who still till the earth, which I think is just like perfect and makes you realize we need to give thanks for the hard workers in our societies. I know that may be a little bit of a, I don't know, Maybe I'll edit that a little bit. But uh, to me, it's kind of just a well-said set of lyrics that make you appreciate your fellow citizens and uh, you realize we're all in this together, which is a lesson that still applies today. And uh, to me is, I think, a great closing track for the album. That's why I chose it. Great. Not much more I can add. It's a, it is a great closing track. And it's probably, I mean, I've, I've listed off like three songs from that album tonight. So clearly it's probably my favorite stones album. So, yeah. So um, I can't just, dis- I can't disagree with you at all. Scott, it's a great choice. Thank you. And then, I, I mean, it's, it's a great song. It's, stand, it's stood out. The first time I heard it too, Scott was um, on the, uh, the rock and roll circus program. Um, and then listen to the beggars banquet version. Um, I think one of the best performances of it is, um, you know, oddly, um, 20 years later was when um, when Mick and Keith performed it at the concert for New York after 9-11 um, and they kind of tweaked the lyrics a little bit um, to give a nod to um, you know I, I, if I remember correctly like first responders and 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 and, and that but but it was just so um, dramatic and, and and emotional for several reasons and it's just a great performance of the song and mm-hmm. um, really ties into that moment yeah. Um, so that that's uh, my recollection of the song. Whenever I think of uh, Salt of the Earth, I think of uh, that concert, that performance. God, how sure. great is that concert, though? The concert for New York. I watch that all the time. Like, like the the Who mm-hmm. was just yeah. unbelievable, and like every all the performers, like 
Oh man, that that was a great yeah, great show. concert. Mm-hmm. I had the DVD of that. I wore that DVD out. I watched it all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, anyhow, guys, I'll t- why don't I read through to sum it all up the songs we chose? And this is a uh, we should all be proud of this playlist. I know I'm proud of you guys. <laughs> so here we go. Uh, Satisfaction, the universal choice that was automatically added to the list for all of us. Beast of Burden, the last time. She's a rainbow, shine a light, wild horses, tumbling dice, can't you hear me knocking, monkey man, painted black, let it bleed, street fighting man, imagination, sympathy for the devil, no expectations, give me shelter, honky tonk women, brown sugar, jumping jack flash, you can't always get what you want, and salt of the earth. Sounds like a greatest hits album with some that's, nice little yeah, other touches awesome. in there. <laughs> Great for sure. It's a great playlist. We and, should send it in. Send, you know, make this playlist. I, I was gonna say, can you send that to me? Because uh, I didn't jot that down. I, that's a pretty solid uh that's list solid. we just came up with. I will email you guys after the show with uh, that awesome. playlist. And um nice. with that, we now turn to the part of the show where tonight Dan, Scott, and I will be giving you a recommendation of something we love. It could be a uh a book, a movie, a song, whatever it is, something we're enjoying right now. So this is the recommendation part of the show. And Dan, we started with you for the playlist for this. We'll start with uh, Scott for the stuff we love. All right. Sounds great. Um, I don't think I've mentioned this before on the stuff we love podcast and I apologize if I have before, but uh, I've been really in the golf um, since 2020 COVID-19, you know, it's like one of those things that you could do safely, right. You can social distance while playing golf. So I took up golf and Late in the year, I bought a Garmin approach watch, which is kind of for mainly for golfing. And then like you swing the club, it asks what club you hit, it tracks your yardage, it, it automatically calculates your handicap and it comes with a cool app. And I tell you, having that has helped so much. Like I've learned so much about my golf game and it's helped me a ton. It's just a cool technology. And also it's Garmin. So you can use it for running and you can even use it as your daily watch. I still prefer my Apple watch for everyday use. But uh, mm-hmm. when I'm out golfing or doing a run, I use my Garmin approach and can't recommend it enough for anyone that plays golf. I know that a lot of your Instagram pictures recently have been <laughs> you on the golf course. Right. So uh... <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know what, uh, why I've enjoyed it so much. It was just, I picked it up again in 2020. It's a good time to, you know, hang out with some friends, you know, get some fresh air, go for a cart ride, go for a little walk. And I actually played at Walt Disney World too, Scott. I, I was going to a- mention yeah. that. I thought I remember seeing those pictures. Yep. Um, yeah. We, Which course? We, we played um, the Magnolia. Yep. We played the Magnolia, which is um, so basically that that's kind of like a hub of the main golf. So there's the Palm and the Magnolia, which the PGA Tour used to um, stop there. You'd see it when you go by the monorail over by the Grand Floridian. You can yes, see it. That's right. I know and there's a walking nine hole course there called Oak Trail. But um, my favorite course is actually over by Old Key West and Saratoga Springs. That's uh, Lake Buena Vista Golf Course because that okay. feels more Disney. Mm-hmm. Like you're every hole you're either seeing Riverside, Saratoga, Oki West, or Disney Springs, um, which you can't get anywhere else. Where Magnolia, the holes one through 15, it could be anywhere, <laughs> you know, like you're just like in a swamp, it almost feels like. Then you get the 16, and then you can see the Grand Floridian, the monorail, which is pretty darn cool. But that is cool. It just felt like any other golf course, to be honest. Right, right. But uh, Garmin Approach for anyone that golfs, uh, awesome, awesome tool to have. Great recommendation. And surprisingly, we're actually headed soon to the holiday season. So if you have any golfers, 
in your life, that's a great holiday gift. Yeah. First time I'll mention that. Something tells me we'll be mentioning gift ideas a lot here on uh, right. Stuff We Love podcast. Uh, great, great choice, Scott. And Dan, how about you? Um, I'm going to choose something that, honestly, I, I've just been devouring as, as of late as far as music goes. And I'm sure that this will probably have to be another uh, show topic at some point. But the, uh, the reissue of All Things Must Pass. Um, I got that when it came out, um, August 6th. Um, been listening to it in the car um, pretty much nonstop. And um, it's just an incredible release. Um, awesome to be able to actually hear more of uh, the band uh, and what's actually going on on each of the tracks um, with the new mix and the treasure trove of, um, of outtakes um, on the uh, bonus discs is just amazing. And, um, you know, George could have made, I think, four or five albums um, out of the material that he had for All Things Must Pass. I mean, such an incredible, um, incredible set of songs. Um, some of the ones that didn't make the album popped up later on some other albums um but it's just a great set it's incredible to think how much material he had like already you know mm -hmm. <laughs> to, yeah to to release that album it, it's such a classic i actually have not gotten into that yet i'm, I'm sure sky has right i'm sure you well when i came back from my trip that was waiting for me and um I, yeah, I know this sounds terrible, and I'm embarrassed to say this as a Beatles fan, but I've been so backlogged on stuff that I, because I was away for such a long time between movies, TV shows, work, works at the bottom of the list in terms of priority. But <laughs> no, the truth is, I, I'm so backlogged. I haven't gotten to the set yet. And there's another box set that came out too just the other day, a Beach Boys box set, Feel Flows from their Sunflower and Surf Subsessions, which are two of my favorite Beach Boys albums. So I'm going to, and then, Shortly before that, I still haven't finished really listening to the um, Plastic Ono Band reissue, which came out, the Lennon. So I'm, I'm making my way through it all. I have not gotten yeah. into All Things Must Pass, but I think I'm going to try to do it this holiday weekend coming up because yeah. I need to. We got another big reissue that's going to be coming up too. <laughs> so yes, you got to catch, catch up soon, yeah, Scott. <laughs> you've got till October 15th, Scott. <laughs> let it be. Yeah, I mean, let it be the reissue. is going. We are headed right now, guys. And Dan, before I make this comment, let me just say that's a great selection for stuff we love. The All Things Must Pass reissue, I've heard phenomenal things about. And uh, it's it's one of, we've talked about, it's one of our favorite albums. Um, there is so much stuff this year, at least in Beatles, that's happened in music releases. You had McCartney 3, you had the Ringo EP, the Plastic Ono Band, you had All Things Must Pass, Let It Be coming out, the Get Back film on Disney+. Plus which is bringing back some major the Beatles anthology vibes premiering over Thanksgiving. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Yep. How awesome is that? I mean, mm -hmm. I'll have my the dinner. book and the book, the book, the lyrics, I forgot about that. The yes. lyrics book. And then apparently there's like a unknown Beatle lyric song that's going to be in this book. Have you heard about that? Yes, I did hear when you mentioned the book, I thought you were talking about the get back book, which is oh. coming out this year, but you're talking about the Paul McCartney, the, lyrics, the McCartney book. lyrics book. Yeah. And then you had Rick Rubin, the three a McCartney three, two, one documentary. So, yeah, I mean, this is unbelievable. Um, Almost like it's remarkable. an episode on like all the stuff Beatles in 2021. We probably should. Let's, um, let's bookmark that for before the end of the year. We'll do a Beatles year in review. Right before Christmas so people can purchase some of these. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Anyhow, um, my Stuff We Love recommendation is a YouTube channel that I started watching recently 
called Pop Goes the 60s. The host of this channel is a guy named Matt Williamson. And each uh, video on the YouTube channel is about 15 minutes in length, give or take. And it covers an aspect of music from the 1960s, a lot of Beatles stuff. And the host will devote a video to, for example, his favorite Beatles songs and why. Uh, break down aspects of what we can anticipate from the Get Back film and uh, what are his thoughts are on that. Um, other videos, which I have not yet watched, but I saw them up there, would be a three-part video documentary about the association, the story of the association, awesome. uh, rascals videos and stuff like that. So if you're like Dan Scott and myself and you love music of the 60s, this is a great channel to really dig into. Uh, so that's my recommendation. And um, before we get to where you can find stuff, we love podcast online. Um, Scott, why don't you tell our listeners where they could find you on social media? Yeah, you can definitely find me on Instagram and Twitter. I have the same handle for both. It's called Epscott, E-P-S-C-O-T. Very familiar sounding to my favorite uh, theme park in the world, Epcot. Uh, But yeah, I I post Disney stuff, some music stuff, golf stuff, as Scott just mentioned. So uh, yeah, give me a follow. Happy to have you join. Great to follow, my friend. And for our listeners, here's where, you, here's where you can find the Stuff We Love podcast. We are on Twitter at Stuff We Love Pod, Instagram at Stuff We Love Podcast. We are on YouTube. We're at Stuff We Love Podcast.podbean.com. Uh, let's see. Well, Stuff We Love Podcast.gmail.com is where you can write to us. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us those good five star reviews, which makes it easier for others to find the show. And, uh, I wish you all well, Dan and Scott. It's been great to be with you as always, my friends. This was awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Scott. It was a great time. Anytime, yeah, anytime. I always love chatting with you too. It's uh, the highlight of my week, my my month. Whenever we get a time to chat, I always look forward to it. Thanks, man. Thanks, Dan. This is this is great. And uh, by the way, that was <laughs> thanks, man. Thanks, Dan. I'll have to edit that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. And uh, with that, we, oh, by the way, I'll also add, you can find me on Twitter at ScottyBoy4. That's S-C-O-T-T-Y-B-O-Y-4. And with that, let's go around the table one more time. I am Scott. I'm Scott. And I'm Dan. And this has been the Stuff We Love podcast.